Hey guys, Jack here. Thanks for tuning in. We're happy to announce that our next Lively Finder event will be in the New York City area this December 9th and 10th. Uh, like our previous events with Greg Raymer and Thinking Poker, participants will have the opportunity to play in a four-hour, uh, one-two, deep-stacked cash game, and will have access to a filmed version with expert commentary uh, from Zach and myself. We'll have several different coaching packages available. Our basic package will include uh, participation in the game, a 15-minute debrief with Zach or myself, a uh, coffee-fueled meet-and-greet before play, and a dinner with the other participants, uh, and Zach and I after the game. Our premium package will include the basic package plus a leak finder document. Uh, that document includes an analysis of the participants' strengths and weaknesses, uh, citing specific hand examples, analysis of key hands, and a detailed improvement plan. Um, premium participants will also receive a 30-minute lesson from Zach or myself to go over the leak finder document. And we also are offering what's called the Nut Package. Uh, the Nut Package includes the basic package plus a premium link finder document and a personal podcast. Uh, the premium link binder includes an analysis of the participants' strengths and weaknesses, uh, analysis of all the hands the participant played, and a detailed improvement plan. And the personal podcast will be Zach and I discussing some of the key hands that uh, you played at the event. And the participants will also receive a 60-minute lesson to go over the Leak Finder document. At this time, we can't guarantee that there'll be another commentator for the event, uh, but we are currently looking for another commentator of the highest caliber, uh, and so stay tuned for that. To sign up, head to justhandspoker.com slash newyorkevent, uh, and that's linked to in the show notes. And if you have any questions, uh, go ahead and email me at jack at justhandspoker.com. One other quick announcement... The return of the in-depth analysis, uh, we have in the past at our website, justhandspoker.com, done an in-depth analysis using software to come up with a slightly more concrete answer to how the hand should have been played. We were doing that every week. We took a hiatus for a little bit during the series and after, and we're going to start that up again this week. So look out for that uh, tomorrow or Thursday. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Zach. Hey, what's up, Jack? Not a whole lot. Uh, you know, same shit. Let's talk the hand. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. So, I had the pleasure of playing 510 at the Horseshoe Hammond in Chicago a few days ago. Got my drive back east, and it was a Saturday night. It was the night of the last day of the main event. And I wasn't necessarily sure I was going to play 510 uh, just because this was going to be my last opportunity to play poker at that stake and I didn't have that much cash on me so I was looking at the 2-5 game looking at the 5-10 game, found out 2-5 is a 500 cap, 5-10 looked good so took the plunge and you know with my with my meager 3k cash roll for for 5-10 bought in for, for 1.5 and tried to spin it up Mm-hmm. So, luckily, I made the right choice, <laughs> at least results-wise. Game was very good, and I ran well. And this is a spot I got into with aces, uh, one of the three times I got aces in my four-hour session. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> the first time being my first hand, which is pretty cool. So, there's going to be a lot of background here that I'll kind of try to give as much kind of front-loaded but 
I'm sure some stuff will come up because I had a real dynamic going on with this this villain. Uh, so he sat down probably about half an hour after I did. The game is a must move. Uh, and at this point, it's playing like six-handed with the two other tables filled. And it's been like a mandatory straddle for the last hour. So 5, 10, 20, six-handed. And our villain is in the straddle. And it's folded to the hero with pocket aces. I make it 60. I would say like my standard opening size here is 70. But I don't think I've actually got into this spot yet. So I think exploitably, I'm going to make it 60 because this the villain's like a very loose, pretty aggressive player uh, who's been running very well and is has about 5k effective. Uh, I have about 4k at this point. And especially against me, I don't think it's really folding almost anything for $60. But I've seen him fold a straddle a few times for 70 So, What position are you in again? Small blind. Out of position. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously, I, th- I think my standard sizing should be like 70, maybe even arguably 80, given how deep we are. But I think with aces and given the fact that this, you know, is the first time I'm encountering this, it's like totally fine to be exploitable and just try to get a lot of calls when you have a player that's just really splashing around and you have aces. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I also wouldn't mind going to your standard sizing just considering that this guy's still probably going to call a lot, and that's an extra twenty dollars in the pot. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, and this is a guy, for example, who's like you know limp calling like a five x raise with like queen four suited under the gun. But he's one of these guys where it's like he'll really kind of play the rush. So like if he's playing a lot of hands and like winning, he'll be playing a lot more hands. But he's kind of hasn't really gotten a hand recently, been folding more. So. He was definitely playing a lot of hands that night, but this was kind of like a low energy point for him. Something I'm trying to, you know, be aware of in terms of game flow. So I didn't think that, like, even for 60, I think he will fold, like, 5-2 softsuit, uh, where, you know, maybe 45 minutes ago, he would not. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And and a little more about this guy. So he's, we were kind of isol- is- oscillating between 9 and 5-handed, uh, well, I guess kind of started with nine and then got to five. And then when I got called for the new table, I cashed out. Uh, but yeah, even when we were nine handed, he was probably playing like between like 40 and 50% of hands. Just like running really well. <laughs> uh, he would also make like big overbets with value hands as well as um, bluffs. Like for example, I raised the button with a7 suited, and he called on the big blind. This was earlier on. And the flop is 973, rainbow. It goes check, check. The turn's a 9, and he overbets about 4x pot. There's like 130 in the pot, and he bets like 450. I call. The river is another 9, and he checks, and I check, and he has ace-king. Also, this guy is not, I don't think, super capable of going for thin value. Like, I called him down with King-10 on a 10-4-4 King-Ace board, where he was just, like, bet huge every street. And he had a 4. This was the Queen-4 suited hand that I alluded to before. (laughs) So it's like, he's definitely capable of, like, betting big when he has a good value hand, but he definitely never kind of bet like small on the river in any context. And I never saw him like value bet thin, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, well, no, I'm saying you should have value bet thin. No, I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was kind <laughs> of like, 
Yeah. I'd be a little too thin, in my opinion, with uh, with Ace King there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, this hand, we're back to it. Make it 60 with aces. The blinds fold, he calls. So, there's a, there's a time game. So, 135 in the pot, about 4K behind. And the flop uh, got a little ace in the window. We got ace, ace of hearts, five of hearts, king of clubs. So... I had the nuts pre-flop, and I have the nuts now. And I've been really trying to pay attention to every hand this guy plays when I'm not in a pot, given, you know, he's the big spot at the table. And he especially kind of has a thing for, like, wanting to play big pots with me, given I've kind of been, like, the only one really taking money from him. Um, And I see he's very interested in the pot. So I think, absent of that physical read, um, this is probably a check anyways, but I think with that physical read, uh, checking intending to check raise, I think is going to be good. This is the type of guy who, if he's betting here, yeah, he might be bluffing, but he's not going to like probably do like a multi-street bluff without any equity. So I think that if he like bets here, even as a bluff, if I make like a 3x check raise, he's not really going to fold, given how deep we are and the fact that he's in position. So I think with this physical read, it's a pretty clear check. Yeah, I like that. I, I was worried you were going to say that because of the read you bet. Uh, I think that's a reasonable to think thing to think uh, against some opponents, but given this guy, it seems like he just has sort of a default towards betting large. And so yeah. I, I think we should let him do that. I think he's going to bet a lot and then call when we raise versus raise our bet. Exactly. I, I think he's only raising our bet with, like, you know, maybe his best semi-bluffs, maybe. And, like, you know... Hands we would have I think maybe, the money from anyway. Exactly, yeah. So, like, and then when he raises, he might not call through. Like, yeah. So I, I think this is a pretty clear spot to check raise. And I think absent of the physical read, um, you know, it, it can go either way. But I, I think checking is probably best still. So, yeah, I check... He bets 80, like, very quickly and confidently. And my read from this and from, like, most players is when someone bets, like, super quick, it's generally polarizing. And generally these polarized actions are just, like, value the vast majority of the time. So I make the check raise to 250. And now he kind of instantly makes it 450. So it's a weird spot. I have the nuts. I get three bet on the flop by the spot, but I don't really feel like I can four bet here. You know, I feel like this kind of like min min raise here is like let's see where I'm at. Um, yeah, I, did, I I feel like given his propensity to like use large bet sizings with bluffs and like good value hands, this is going to be like ace 10 or ace jack trying to see where he's at a lot slash like charge my draws in his own way that's how i read the sizing oh really yeah do you see it as just super nutted no not necessarily i i didn't have that i hadn't considered that possibility yet i definitely think this might be nutted i also think this might be a draw and against either of those hands i would prefer just to four bet because even though it's sort of a ridiculous spot for him to three bet you on this board uh, with anything, 
it's that doesn't mean we shouldn't just like go ahead and exploit him and just you know forbet like an obvious like what should be obviously a very strong range if he only had those types of hands so the question is i think against those hands you're going to have better better results raising now so that you can just jam the turn on most turns obviously i mean on a hard turn then i'm not as interested in jamming but i would I, if i thought it was just those types of hands i'd probably make it like 1100 maybe a little smaller like a thousand and plan to just uh, i guess you have 4k yeah man we got a lot of work to do <laughs> uh yeah i think i like calling i mean and a bit a big reason that's informing this call is that i'm reading into his bet sizing you know like i think if he has like bottom set there's no way he's like min again it's i only play with him for like three hours at this point it's hard to say kind of absolutes this is a very specific scenario uh i just think it's much more heavily weighted towards like middling value hands and maybe like the occasional weirdly played draw like i obviously don't think he has pocket kings in his range i don't think he well i mean he did flat a raise with ace king before i think by this time later in the game against me especially he's in probably going to three bet the vast majority of his combos of ace king uh he definitely has all the king four suits the ace four suited and those are hands that would not fold to an 1100 re-raise but even though he has all of those combos in his range and probably all the ace four yeah he totally has all the ace four offsuits in his range too uh there's not that many combos of both of those hands and he just has so many hands here and the propensity to do weird stuff with it that like i just i feel like we really just have to be calling here Mm-hmm. So the flop was Ace King four, or Ace King five. Oh, sorry, five Ace King five. Yeah, it replace everything I said about fours with fives. Okay, it still cool. still works out. I yeah. think. <laughs> uh, so the reason I don't like raising as much as I did when I first suggested it is because I just thought about more about the stack size, and I think any sort of small raise, which is the type of raise I would think to do, would work better if you had a smaller stack. Uh, but it just leaves you with kind of an awkward. SPR on the turn, uh, especially you know against this sort of wide range that might continue with us. So I would probably rather either let our opponent keep the initiative, maybe make our hand look a little weaker, or you know, one one thing I actually don't hate, since I think our opponent definitely might be sort of caught up in the moment, and I I, I would not hate shoving. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's like he folds most of the time, but anytime he has like two pair, and sometimes when he has one pair, we get just max value. Like if he folds a flush draw, that's really not so bad. We obviously have very good equity against a flush draw. It might be higher EV to have a flush draw or to to flat than to get a flush draw to fold, uh, depending on how he'll play it, but. It's it's not normally going to be a disaster to have him fold a flush draw. The thing about shoving is that I could see our opponent, like, one, having a really big hand, sort of randomly, like, a set of fives. You know, I I, I think ace-king is possible. Like, not super likely. Ace-five, king-five. Mm-hmm. 
and those might kind of get caught up in just like the absolute strength of their hand and he'll just stack off. And I could even see him thinking that like you never take this line with a hand like aces or ace king and feeling like he's up against a draw holding a hand like ace queen or ace jack. Like I think some good things can happen when you shove here. Um, I would honestly, I I would I would imagine that he calls with ace queen most of the time. I mean, if he calls with ace queen most of the time, then I would just put it in. Uh, yeah, I yeah. The, I I think he he definitely three bets some of his ace queen combos pre flop. Uh, but you know we've seen it we've seen him flap before with ace king. Uh, yeah, but at this okay. point, he's just kind of we've just we've just we've seen him up the aggression more. And I think when he's like in position against me specifically. I don't think I'm reading into this too much, but he's just giving me this fucking like scowl, you know, like, yeah, I think he enjoyed playing pots with me, but like, I just was betting very aggressively in pots with him. And I've like called him down light like three times, two of which was correct. And one of which was not. And like, I think he's one of these guys who like, he plays, you know, has a lot of money is like playing five ten to kind of just like really splash around and put people in spots, even if he's, you know, not the most sophisticated poker player. He understands on some level, like kind of, you know, semi bluffing and like yeah. all, all, all of the, all of these things. And, you know, I think the fact that I was playing so hard back at him and, you know, I look the way that I do was like, Hey, he's like, I'm having this epic run and crushing everyone. And, you know, I want to get him now too. Another, another sort of like silly thing, but that might be a factor is that, if this were someone who like bought in for four thousand, then I would think Max was two. Max was two k yeah. and quickly dusted off one k and then bought in for two k and then has like ran it up. Yeah, so there's probably not a huge amount of attachment to this money, or it hasn't been demonstrated. So I, I like I like that, uh, but I like calling better than making a small raise. For sure. I definitely think the jam is really interesting, though, because, you know, if I really feel like he's going to call with some pair, one pair hand sometimes, then, like, I think the overbet jam is just kind of printing. So, you know, we'd have to run the numbers on it, but I'm, I think the overbet jam is probably the best play here. But it was a weird spot, you know? Like, when I check raise here, I'm just not expecting to get min three bet ever. Like, if he makes a big three bet, I think I have a really easy shove. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is what happens, you know, your opponent puts you in a spot and like, you know, I've never really been in a spot like this before, you know? So I, I took my time. I probably took like almost a minute, which is really long for me, uh, to call there, you know, just kind of weighing my options. So it's moving on. I called the turn is the beautiful deuce of diamonds about as much of a blank as you can hope for. Dude, I mean, 3-4 just got there. <laughs> I mean, he definitely has 3-4 of hearts in his range. If he's sick enough to, like, 3-bet the flop, I mean, 3-bet the flop with an, just a gut shot, like, yeah. he can take my money. It's still a very good card. So, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of going along with the original plan, I should be checking here, intending on, like probably check raising but really kind of check deciding based off of like you know body language and bet sizing yeah i think yeah i think that's exactly right like i'm not 
sure if I want to check collar check raise yet. And I think that the bet size and body language will help us make that decision a lot. Okay, and so really big bet. I'm definitely check raising against yes. like a, a yeah. medium-ish bet. And like, you know, if it looks like it's the same sort of I don't know where I'm at, but I feel like I should bet, you know, the kind of ace-jack, ace-queen hand, then I'm less prone to raising. So I think we might blow Yeah, I think, I think calling and then leading would be best with that type of sizing. So I check, and he very quickly checks back, which kind of more confirms my read that he has like a one-pair hand, you know, like ace-queen, ace-jack, ace-ten. Yeah, I wouldn't totally rule out a uh, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Yeah, but I just I think, think we can super... rule out like ace king. I think we can rule out two, two pair plus. Uh, I think those would all bet again, especially with, when you tank call. Yeah, and I, I definitely can't rule out a draw for sure. And sometimes the snap check back is a draw, like for sure. But in the moment, I felt that you know, given like how aggressive this guy has been with draws, like he would just use a sizing that had more fold equity on the flop and like have some propensity to barrel on the turn. So he could take away some of those combos that we already took away given there was no barrel. Yeah. Although I will say like, I wouldn't give the three bet sizing too much. Like I do think the three bet sizing is important, but he made that back pretty quickly, right? Yep. Like within like eight seconds. So five to eight seconds. Yeah. I think we should be reading into this more on like an unconscious level than a conscious level, both based on the player description and the timing. I do think that a hand like fives is probably a little more like unconscious biases would make me think that he would bet a little more with a hand like fives, although I'm not ruling it out since he might really, really want to call. But I think with the draw, I wouldn't have that small sizing rule out draws for me that much since draws even though like they want you to fold like they also don't want to risk too much basically what what i'm getting at is like i think unconsciously like a draw even though i guess like if you really thought about it he realized he would want you to fold and he might if he took some time to think about it realize that you're not going to fold for for 50 that often but he's also not like thinking on this he's level not, and no, this way, yeah. He's thinking yeah. like, oh, like I, I don't want to call with my draw. I should raise, but like I also don't want to put in too much money because I just have a draw. Like, I, I could see that sort of going on under for the, sure. Under the hood. For sure, yeah. No, I think this is really important. Really trying to like understand the psychology that is behind the bet sizing, you know? Yeah, and I would think differently about it if he had taken fifteen seconds, but if he took like, you know, around eight seconds, it's pretty quick. Not so quick. It's not a snap which has a sort of different set of implications, but for the quicker sizing, like not expecting to get check raised and then deciding fairly quickly that you, he wanted to raise anyway. For sure. Uh, so actually before we move on to the river, I want to say in retrospect, if I fully thought everything through, because I've been reflecting on this hand a lot since I played it and I've talked it through with one other person kind of briefly. And I actually think leading turn is best here. Like, I think just a lot of great things happen if we lead turn for, like, 300. We get more value from, like, the draws he has. Uh, We get more value from his, like, one pair ace hands. And then we get to, like, 
three bet shove the turn when he has a hand better, you know, when he has like a two pair plus hand or even ace queen that like kind of wants to raise because he thinks we might have a draw based on the way I've, we've played it uh, and get to, yeah, I think, I think leading the turn is like clearly the best play on this type of card. Yeah, I like that. I'm not going to like half pot, a little, little under half pot. I'm definitely not going to argue that. I will just say like, I think when we were thinking check, we were thinking that this player would be barreling at a pretty high frequency, or at least I was. And I think we might be a little colored now that he checked back. I don't know if you got the advice to donk the turn like before hearing that he checked back the turn in the first place. You know, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there that like I think part yeah, of Yeah, in the moment I thought check, he was gonna bet a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we, we thought he was gonna <laughs> bet a lot, and I think that is a big reason why we did check. Because we were expecting to check raise a lot like when we sense that strength and check call a lot when we didn't sense that strength uh and not expecting it to check back very much at all but i think given what we thought about the range we should have probably expected some check backs especially after we tank all the flops so i do like donking the turn but i think given yeah it's hard not to be results oriented in this spot i think i just like you know thought about this hand a lot because i got the nuts against a huge spot and he three bet the flop and then i didn't get any more money spoiler spoiler alert damn you bet the the river when he folded yeah uh so the river the river's the the river's the ten of diamonds and i opt to make like a bit of an overbet here not a huge one i bet 1150 and i just think like polarizing bet like he can't be too afraid of queen jack the flush didn't get there and like i don't know I just, based on everything that we've discussed so far, I thought he had more middling value hands than draws, and I wanted to just get value from those hands that would almost shortly check back. Yeah, I probably would have opted for a smaller sizing. I also wouldn't hate checking, since, you know, it's not like... I agree that these these sort of ace-jack, ace-queen hands are possible, and I think we should definitely game plan for them. But it's not really a sensible thing to do to three bet the flop with those hands. And so I, I think we should be considering the draws pretty heavily here. And while sometimes our opponent will have a lot of ace queen and ace jack, we also there's also three aces that are have been accounted for. Our opponent didn't three bet pre flop. And so I think we really should be conscious about the draws, and I think when we bet the river, we the draws always fold. I think, therefore, I would I would really prefer checking or betting small. Uh, betting hmm. small, not so small, but betting like three or four hundred is more likely to get called by ace queen ace jack than eleven hundred. I think by a pretty significant margin. But the other thing is, I think you when you bet that size, you give yourself an opportunity to be bluff raised when i don't think you're ever getting bluff raised uh when you bet 1100 yeah i I don't think i'm really getting bluff raised that much given like i feel like if he's going to be bluffing he's going to do it on like the turn much more likely you know yeah but on the turn he still had a hope of hitting his draw you know now he's got a equity hand basically yeah yeah yeah. okay sorry You you were saying so i mean when you bet small and this player who if he's holding a draw, it means he three bet you with a draw on the flop. So obviously he's like comfortable with bluffing. Either has to just kind of like fold, 
and lose or uh, raise. And I think anytime he raises us, it's just like such a huge win. I also don't mind checking since I think when we check twice, our opponent's a little bit more likely to go ahead and value bet something like ace-queen. Uh, I also think you know ace-10 is possible and would call a check raise. I, I probably wouldn't bet. I wouldn't overbet this. I, I would either bet smaller check. Yeah, I I definitely see you're making a good argument for checking. Yeah, I don't. I still don't see the argument for betting small. Personally, I think it's probably a good spot to like check or bet like an overbet sizing, maybe well, even bigger than what I did. I don't think this player necessarily has like an elastic calling range, but that doesn't mean I do think like. There are some versions we don't know this play that well. I think there are some versions that will always call either sizing. I guess I'm saying like I I do think that the smaller bet is going to get called a significantly higher percentage of the time than the overbet by the one pair hands, and that might not be enough in itself to justify betting smaller. Like if we were only up against a range of one pair hands, but since we're also up against possibly a range of missed draws. I think any time we get bluffed raise is a huge, huge victory uh, that we're, I don't think, ever getting when we bet 1100 So, you know, even though we might be missing like 100 or $200 of value based on the percentages that a one-pair hand is going to call the overbet versus like the half-pot bet, if he has some sort of bluff raise frequency, I think that makes up for it. And if he doesn't, uh, then I either like checking or betting large. Okay. Right. Well, he fucking tanked oh, he for did. like three three minutes. So I still kind of feel like, given how it played to get to that point, the overbet was like good, you know? But, but then he folded. But then he folded. <laughs> Brutal, man. I run so bad. <laughs> yeah, hard luck. What he, did he say what he had? No. He wasn't the type... Like, if I asked him what he had, he'd be, like, pissed at me, was the vibe that I got. Okay. Yeah. And you I was, like, talking a lot with other people at the table, but, uh... Yeah. I, I just, like... I ask people what they have sorry. a lot. Yeah, I do, too. You know me, man. I'm, like, always talking and asking, and... But, you know... This was not the situation. <laughs> yeah. I think it tends to be a pretty revealing question. Yeah, I don't even know. The, even I mean, the I, non-answers I, can be kind of telling. They can, of course. Again, I just, like, this guy was, like, pissed at me, and, like, I didn't want him to, like, snap rack and leave. And not pissed at me, and, like, he's, like, mad at, like, me as a person so much, but more of just, like, you know, he's just there to, like, to win. And I'm yeah. stopping that. I do think this is a somewhat more excusable time to ask, just since it's, like, such an odd spot, like... There was a flop three bet and then like a tank fold on the river. So it's not like it's just some like yeah. random stupid spot and you're asking. And Maybe I should have asked. I should have like shown an ace being like, I thought ace queen was good. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But I think that would reveal that I probably had better than ace queen. And I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. No, I don't think you should have showed anything. <laughs> just muck and ask. Yeah. All right. Interesting hand. Nice to flop the nuts mm-hmm. even when you only get three bets in. Three small bets. Yeah. Who's complaining? Not me. 
All right. Until next time. Okay. Peace, man.